Thanks for listening to the Get Over Yourself podcast brought to you by Carol Fit Stationary Bike Program 8-Minute Workouts to Get Super Fit. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. MOFO, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Let's get checked at home testing kits. Try lgc.com. Almost heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, the mind-blowing nut butter blend. And check out bradkearns.com slash shop my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. The experts will uh, reference how the easy access of information now makes us less curious and less uh, inquisitive. And those are two of the highest uh, indicators of intelligence is curiosity and inquisitiveness. That's what makes for an intelligent person. So you can do what you want with your life and try to just make a contribution, uh, a positive contribution to the planet. And that might be, you know, teaching people how to surf for uh, $24 on the beach in Costa Rica. And I try to give this message to my kids because it serves as a counter to all that cultural programming. You have one bit of advice, and you have maybe a minute left, one bit of advice to give an 18-year-old Brad, Brad Kearns, what would that advice be? Hey folks, how about a non-drinker telling you what kind of alcohol you should drink? That's right, it's pseudo-sommelier Brad Kearns here to recommend dry farm wines. Why? Because if you choose to drink, I want you to be healthy and make a superior choice to the mainstream commercial wines. Listen to my podcast with Dry Farm Wines founder Todd White. The insights were astonishing, especially that most all commercial wines are loaded with dozens of chemicals that the FDA allows in your wine, but don't have to be listed on the label. And the sugar, oh my goodness, the sugar levels can be as much or more per liter than Coca-Cola, but difficult to taste due to the acidity in the wine. Dry Farm Wines is a membership club where you're shipped hand-picked wines from old-world family-run vineyards in France, Italy, Greece, and Sicily. These wines come from non-irrigated vineyards hundreds of years old that deliver a tastier, higher antioxidant grape, and they're independent lab certified to be completely free from chemical additives and naturally 100% sugar-free. That's right, the sugar was allowed to ferment out instead of be arrested by chemical intervention in the name of pleasing the average consumer palate that has a sweet tooth. The Dry Farm Wines Club has taken off like crazy because ancestral and keto enthusiasts, people who care about their health, appreciate a sugar-free wine. You'll enjoy the variety, the taste, and the pleasant sensation in the aftermath of burning through the alcohol buzz and going on with your life without a hangover. So if you care about your carb intake and your overall health, Dry Farm Wines has a special promotion for podcast listeners. Get your first bottle for a penny when you enroll at dryfarmwines.com slash Brad or click on the Dry Farm Wines at the bradkerns.com shopping page. Cheers. Hey, it's Brad Kearns. Introduce our interview guest, Brad Kearns. Oh my gosh, should I even be 
doing this show. It's from our main man, Dave Rossi, frequent Get Over Yourself podcast guest. And this time, he decides to turn the tables and become the interviewer and put me on the spot. And we had a wonderful conversation. Very interesting. He asked deep probing questions like a skilled interviewer, uncovering exciting new insights. We talked a bit about the podcast and how I got started and my background doing this fun health and fitness writing, podcasting. So hopefully you enjoy the show. Uh, At the end, he puts me in a corner and asks me some really challenging questions and I'm kind of stumped. I think you're going to enjoy that exchange. And we actually pick that up and move it into my interview with him. We get back into the uh, the, the last question he asked me about, I think it was something like, uh, what am I still not revealing entirely to my audience? And I'm like, uh, 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 I don't know. Uh, then when I thought about it some more, I came up with an interesting answer that we dig into on my show with Dave Rossi. So yeah, it kind of leaves you with a cliffhanger ending. What is Brad Kearns hiding behind this microphone? <sighs> Enjoy the show with our special guest interviewer, Dave Rossi, author of The Imperative Habit. Please go to Amazon and grab that book. It is fantastic. It'll change your life. And also watch him on Instagram because he puts up nice little quotes and tidbits that'll entice you to read the whole book. But you can have some really fun takeaways every single day, inspiration from what Dave's doing in his life. Here we go. Dave Rossi, we are back together this time on on the Zoom, and that's okay. Uh, but we've had some great visits this year, talking for hours and hours about the important matters of the day. And um, oh my gosh, it's really fun to connect. And we thought we'd do some unique show formats, uh, particularly with the idea of uh, turning the tables and having you, the main man, the the guest with the with the motor that won't quit. Uh, <laughs> turn into the interviewer and then you can ask me questions and uh you know turn uh turn the poison on to me since i've been uh, inflicting it on all my guests so far i love that format um and as what's funny is you know we should tell your listeners that even before we hit start with this we just started going off about topics and things and i'm like stop stop we have to get this and film this because this is great great stuff and and what we're talking about was actually one of my second questions was about your podcast, how it came to be. You know, there's a lot of follow-up questions about your podcast, but I think your your listeners really should know how did Get Over Yourself with Brad Kearns really start and what does it mean to you? Oh my gosh, thank you for that opening. Uh, you know, I've been doing podcasting since early, early in the advent of the medium back in 2012 or 2013, we launched the Primal Blueprint podcast. And uh, Mark Sisson and I just were sitting around realizing that this podcast thing was happening and you hear about it. And, uh, you know, then you go on your phone and figure out how to download a podcast. And so we decided to throw our hat in the ring. We didn't really have a full commitment to it because we were so busy doing other stuff like writing books and putting on retreats and uh, developing uh, online educational courses. So uh, I didn't realize the tremendous power for it to explode like it has today. And I'm glad to be on board. Uh, I launched the Get Over Yourself podcast in 2018. 
so that was my, uh, you know, my own venture where I could uh, shape the show and take it where I wanted. I still actually host a show on the Primal Blueprint channel every week. So I'm in the studio a lot, cranking out content. And as a consumer of podcasts, I really, really love it because I'm too busy to sit and read books. I'm too busy cranking out books. And I feel like I get sidetracked if I sit with a stack of books and do quote unquote research. It means I didn't type any words that day. So I've been in like production mode for 12 years straight to where I don't really have time or energy to sit down and read a book after writing a book all day. And uh, also I'm kind of... uh, Uh, I enjoy YouTube and it's a great medium, but sometimes your brain is a little bit, uh, you know, uh, fatigued to go and sit there and consume a bunch of videos. Uh, But when you can listen to the content, and I listen to everything at 1.5 speed, 1.75 speed, sometimes 2.0 speed, because I want to listen to more and more podcasts and keep through my playlist. And so it allows you to consume a lot of content, absorb it in a really uh, effective way to learn. So I listen to a lot of audio books, and I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm out there exercising. And I know there should be time uh, during exercising that you're just engaging with nature and you're present and you're just working on your breathing or something. But I do listen to podcasts when I'm driving or otherwise distracted with a low, uh, a low cognitive task like raking the leaves or something. And so I have a chance to consume more content than I would in a video format, which requires all your time and energy and attention or, or reading, which requires all your energy and attention where podcasts, you can divert your attention uh, with doing other stuff. Well, I wore this shirt for you. You can read that. It says those speed. of you uh, watching on YouTube, more. you can see it. Uh, the <laughs> listeners, it says speed, please. Well, you know, no. what I really got out of your answer was you're busy. You're uh, really like busy. all of us, right? I mean, um, I'm not I as mean, busy as some people. Swear, I want to say you're really fucking busy after listening to that answer. You're listening to audio books fast. You're listening to podcasts fast. You get more and more information. So what is being left out with all of this busyness? What's, what's missing? What's, what's the piece, the thing that you're sacrificing for all of this other stuff? Yeah, man. I mean, look, people of our age can reference a life that did not have hyperconnectivity, hyperconnectivity, mobile technology, uh, and this constant stimulation, the binge watching of television programs. I mean, when I was, uh, you know, in my 20s and wanted to unwind after a tough day of training, uh, we would wait until 9 p.m. Uh, when LA Law came on and someone would come over to watch it with us because it was our favorite show and we'd pop popcorn and sit around and have fun. And, you know, that was um, not quite the same as watching six, six shows in a row on one night and having this constant ability to entertain ourselves now. And I do feel like there's a lot of things missing Uh, from modern life and the experience that your kids and my kids have compared to what we had, which was, I guess there was more downtime, there was more boredom, there was more obligation to create our own forms of entertainment rather than sit back and watch a show or play a video game or just binge on YouTube all night. And so, boy, I mean, the experts will uh, reference how the easy access of information now makes us less curious and less uh, inquisitive And those are two of the highest uh, indicators of intelligence is curiosity and inquisitiveness. 
That's what makes for an intelligent person. Uh, the one that you can sit with on the ski chairlift and you're asking him, uh, so where are you from? What do you do? Oh, uh, the uh, South Bay area? Yes, I, I used to uh, work down there myself. Uh, remember the, uh, the, the De Anza Park, is that uh, open again? Uh, and your, your brain is constantly trying to master new topics of learning with a new person or engaging in conversation about different topics. And now I can just pick up my phone and say, hey, Siri, what's the population of Cupertino, California? The population is 29,750. <laughs> and it, it changes things. It changes things. Well, it sounds like, I mean, you're, you actually gave yourself some advice in that answer, right? I, I heard you say, hey, boredom's good. Um, looking, searching for curiosity is good. Not being overstimulated and hyper, con, you know, hyper connectivity is good. And so I kind of heard you, heard you say that you actually miss those things, but yet those things are good for you. So what's the drive for you to miss out on those things? Like, why are you missing out on these things if you know it's good for you? Well, I'd say that I do a pretty good job of living a uh, more mellow life than maybe I did in the past in other roles. And I have to be focused on uh, the creative side and, and generating content rather than just being an engager with uh, uh, live chat and text messaging and email inbox. I have to write books and I have to have something to show for uh, my day. And so I am either in... Uh, Why? Well, that's just my focus and my, um, you know, the highest expression of my talent is to create something rather than just be a player. Uh, and so I... I, I yeah. what that drive comes from because I think that drive is connected to a drive that you've had since the first time I met you talking about leaving your job in accounting and going to become a professional athlete. I think I want to know, and I bet you your listeners want to know, where does that drive come from? Because it almost infringes on your inability to follow some advice about some downtime. You're saying you want to create great content, and yet you're creating great content at the expense of your own advice and maybe a little bit of boredom and a little bit of downtime. Where does that drive come from? Yeah, that's a good one. I think um, probably a huge percentage of people listening can relate to having that uh, type A, highly motivated, goal-oriented, driven disposition. And I can definitely identify with that, but I've worked really hard starting back when I was an athlete to tone that down and allow myself to uh, relax more and engage with nature more and play with my dogs and do things, uh, physical exercise and things like that, that uh, kind of balance this uh, obsession with your keyboard and cranking away and uh, doing as much as possible and squeezing every second out of the day. And you hear a podcast from Elon Musk and he says, no one will get anything truly great accomplished unless they work 20 hours a day and bullshit like that, that we're fed into our brain these days, especially young people are getting their brains programmed that, you know, you have to be robotic in your, uh, in your productivity. Otherwise you, you can't live a happy life. And I think your work is uh, kind of a testament to uh, encouraging people to second guess the rat race mindset, which is so harmful on so many levels. So I'm working hard to do it. And I've created a, a you know, a optimized lifestyle for myself where I'm an entrepreneur. I answer only to myself. I keep my own hours. I can goof around uh, for many hours during the day, uh, anytime I want. But then, you know, that little voice inside, the one that uh, Dave Rossi's encouraged me to turn off or to temper, it's always going to be there. Like, what the hell did you do today, you loser? And why are uh, your uh, your peers making more income than you? Uh, Or or whatever it is that, you know, we want to have that FOMO uh, mindset kick back into the rat race mindset. 
Well, back you, even you having fun is is intense. I mean, you're like going to eat chocolate and still stretch at the same time. You know, we're yeah. going to go skiing and you're going to stretch standing in line. I mean, so even even you know your downtime is is layered with with benefits for your for yourself. Yeah, man, you're. Um, I'm getting uh, I'm getting free therapy advice too because when you reflect that back at me, I have to acknowledge that, and so I I I'm like you know, trying to create this image of myself, this self-image that I'm a really chill guy and I like to relax and take it easy. But you know what? Um, I'm always doing something. Other people say that to me too. Like, you're always on the go. My mom says, you should uh, take it easy more. And I'm like, I take it easy all the time. I goof off for hours every single day. But that goofing off, that, that might be a workout and then back to work and then doing another fun workout like speed golf. And I'm thinking, wow, what a great day. I had all this recreational opportunities, but it was, um, it wasn't, I'm not the guy that sits on the back porch and sips a beer and wants to talk yeah. for three hours about, uh, you know, uh, nuanced topics. I'd rather get back to my email inbox. Yeah. Well, I think I want to have two, two follow questions with that. I think people in general have said that about me, although, Again, people like most people think I'm overly motivated, and people like me think you're overly motivated beyond me. And I usually answer it and tell people I just have a lot to do, and I and I hear you kind of saying that too. But I actually think your what you just answered, and tell me if this is right. I think your show has changed as you have changed. I think you have a lot of commitment to your listeners. I think you started your show with this go, go, go mindset, micro workouts, jogging, junk jogging, morning routines, cold exposure, carnivore diets, superfoods, all this stuff. And then you layer on all these crazy, crazy personal goals of being the best in the world at anything you crop, you try. And it's like super crazy hard stuff, like high jumping, like who high jumps? I mean, that's like, like, like not trying to be human. Okay. Some of us run because Humans actually do run, but very few humans actually jump. So this is this is all a whole weird thing. But do you think your show has changed since you started it with this mindset of trying to tone back a little bit, trying to add that mental relaxation piece? Have you had on different guests or different interests of yours because of that effort in you? Yeah, you know, I think we've been so deep into this uh, progressive health scene, this ancestral health scene, uh, for me for the last 12 years, like living and breathing the dietary, uh, breaking science and the amazing insights that the standard American diet has been a disaster and that actually, uh, eating fat is good for you. And, uh, the, you know, the carbs are the true enemy, the processed carbs, and then the keto craze comes on. And now the carnivore eating pattern is a big thing. And when you get so deep into it, I think you have the potential to kind of, uh, you know, tip over the boundary of just a healthy, balanced approach to life. And I don't want to, um, I think it's important to be extreme in your uh, quest for optimum health because the modern life is so disastrously unhealthy, but you can definitely overdo it or over obsess about these things. So uh, I think part of my goal with the show is to open up the, the content and the dialogue to more than just talking about 
uh, what foods are the best to eat every single week and even what workouts are the best to do and get obsessed with your, your training schedule and the different heart rates that you use and the different strength training techniques. So that's why I've had uh, people like you on. It was one of the most downloaded shows of all time. This Dave Rossi guy talking about uh, the, the, the habit forming and, and reprogramming your brain and looking at things differently. Uh, Dr. John Gray, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus was one of the most popular shows. And this is, you know, talking about how not to be an asshole to your girlfriend or wife. It has nothing to do with what food choices you made. But sometimes yeah. those people that are highly optimized in every single way, they're high income earners, they're also fit, they're at the gym working out in between making a bunch of money at their business. And everything seems to be, they speed off in their uh, sports car, but they have so many deficiencies at other levels, possibly on account of that crazy driven personality style. So I learned, you know, Dave, back when I was an athlete, that if I were going overboard with my competitive intensity, I would literally get my ass kicked on the race course because I would overdo it. So there was a point where, hey man, you got to chill and unplug that plug and learn how to, you know, unwind and be a complete person. And that will in fact help you become a better peak performer when it's time to bear down and uh, do the best you can in your career ambitions or whatever it is. So you're saying balance actually balance, including not getting in an argument with your girlfriend or spouse, that kind of balance helps performance. Yeah. And I think now finally we're kind of uh, peeling past the curtain and seeing for real what's going on in celebrity culture. And we have free thinkers that have now been granted uh, a platform and a voice to offer up counter opinions to this nonsense and this cultural programming that uh, money equals happiness and that whoever works the hardest and, and sells the most records or was that? Or success equals happiness. Not yeah, yeah. Happiness. I mean, you know, all, we, all we've done is fantasize with these great athletes making their millions of dollars and the, uh, the entertainers, the celebrities, the performers, and of course, the, uh, the leaders of business have been revered as the most important, successful, and, uh, you know, badass people in society. And now we can finally kind of unwind that and realize that, hey, if you're going to be a surf instructor in Costa Rica for the next four years instead of four months because you liked it and you kept going, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. The world has enough surf instructors, but they also have enough, uh, uh, you know, medical school students and lawyers and uh, venture capitalists and everything's fine. So you can do what you want with your life and try to just make a contribution, uh, a positive contribution to the planet. And that might be, you know, teaching people how to surf for uh, $24 on the beach in Costa Rica. And I try to give this message to my kids because it serves as a counter to all that cultural programming when, you know, you meet a young kid who's college age, like my son and my daughter and uh, an adult will say, oh, so what are you studying? What's your major? Oh, what are you going to do with that? Oh, do you plan to go to graduate school? Oh, that's impressive. Isn't that interesting? You know, and we're all measured and judged by what we accomplish rather than saying, oh, so how was it down there on the beach in Costa Rica? Did you see any turtles? You know, that kind of stuff is, is put on the back burner in favor of go, go, go. How many likes do you have and how many followers do you have on your social media and all that stuff that can be extremely harmful when we let it get out of hand, and it has gotten out of hand. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new 
zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in Paluvas, living in your Paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They're designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. Well, and I think those are good points. And I want to talk, and I, and I don't want to describe those points. I want to weave those points into you because I want to talk about Brad Kearns in this show. I have tipped people off to your show, and I literally have people come up to me and say, and I say, oh, what's for lunch? And they'll go, well, Brad Kern says, and and they'll all of a sudden, and I'm like, oh, good, you know, hey. And I want to know, and I and I and I don't, I'm not sure if I got an answer to my question. That is, does your show change your topics? I think you said yes, but I want to dive more into it with what you're interested in, what you're now finding as as important for people to listen to, because you're kind of out there investigating this. You're kind of out there on the front line, jumping in cold water eating weird shit, eating cow balls and cow intestines. And you're out there saying, look, I've tried this, I've tested this, I've researched this and do it. So, so your motivation for this show, I want to hear about that. Your motivation about what you get out there to people. What is it? Is it changing with you? What are the factors with that? <laughs> yes, thank you for going for the answer because Brad Kearns is very skilled at just taking us off onto a different tangent. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? That's a great question. I think uh, other podcast hosts can kind of uh, reflect on this too, uh, because a podcast is the epitome of niche programming, right? It's not ABC prime time where we have this sitcom and that sitcom and you're forced to watch it. So you really are obligated to be uh, honest, authentic, vulnerable with uh, putting yourself out there when you're recording and interviewing people and, and, and trying to uh, create content. And so it has kind of evolved more to 
uh, my own personal interests and the guests that I choose and the stuff that I talk about on my breather shows because my format is unique. If you haven't listened to it before, people, uh, I mix the traditional long form interview, like when I sit down with Dave Rossi for an hour and talk to you about your work and your opinions. And then in between that, I publish two shows a week. It's called a breather show where I am just recording about a topic of interest, like an insight that I pulled from a book. So I'll do uh, a summary points from a great book that I just listened to or read. So uh, when I have a chance to talk and and express my opinion, it's definitely, uh, uh, you know, um, framed by what's of interest to me uh, currently. And that's, I think, uh, you know, the, you want to follow me and you want to get interested in it and it appeals to you. That's great. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of realizing that I'm a male in the, whatever they call the middle age groups, right? I'm 55 years old and I still want to be fit, healthy, and happy, pursue competitive goals. So these are the driving interests in my own personal life. And it seems like the content is trending in that direction. Not that it won't appeal to a female of 35 who might have similar goals that you don't want to, uh, you know, age, uh, accelerate your aging process with overly stressful lifestyle practices. Uh, so we might have a connection in some way, but mainly it's me without any um, uh, gloss over or airbrushing. And that's different than mainstream media because we don't know who these puppets are that are talking on the news every night. We don't know what they're like and what their interests are. They're just kind of filling the, um, you know, in, in, in many cases, they're just kind of uh, filling the suit and, uh, you know, creating an image that might not be anything that's authentic. Yeah, well, a couple of things you said. You talked about um, being vulnerable in your podcast, but you also talked about the this goal-oriented type A person that you are. Um, and I want to blend those because I get the feeling a lot of your audience is type A. There's a lot of people that follow Sisson and you because of the athletic goals, the drive, the Olympic kind of level, world champion kind of level people that you both are. And they're probably looking for these tips and these goals. Um, is that drive coming from a feeling of trying to be accepted or is that drive coming from a feeling of just fucking loving what I'm doing or a combination of both? Well, I've worked so hard, uh, in my adult life to get away from that, uh, impure, uh, motivational force, uh, that's, you know, oftentimes associated with type A, like the, the guy who was shunned in high school is now the guy driving around with the convertible and, uh, you know, getting uh, his, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, superficial uh, uh, accomplishments to, to make yeah. up for that lack of self-esteem. There, that form. The trophies that we, we adorn our walls with that have no substance. Behind yeah. Them. Yeah. And so in my case, Dave, you know, I was, um, you know, thrust into this uh, career as a professional athlete at a very young age. And when I was 21 years old, uh, I upset the two top ranked athletes in the world as a complete nobody that no one had ever heard of or paid any attention to. And all of a sudden I was on the cover of the magazine and was, you know, thrust into this high profile career. And I had to uh, adjust to that. And that's why the, the title of my podcast is Get Over Yourself is because, you know, I, I could think I was hot shit for a while until the very next race when someone kicked my butt and I started to struggle and go into a tailspin when, you know, just months before I was on top of the world. So when you have that topsy-turvy type of lifestyle and the same thing I know from your book and your description of losing your business empire and your uh, the wealth that you had accumulated and having to start over and, and recalibrate everything, um, 
the same thing uh, I would say uh, we can all relate to in some way. But yeah, for me, I think it was pretty dramatic and extreme. Those lessons that I learned as an athlete uh, were extremely humbling. So being on top and then struggling at a level of intensity that few people can relate to if they're just in a career uh, working for the post office or uh, in the high-rise building, you know, moving up from manager to partner. Uh, so I, I kind of got uh, bumped around by life and then uh, had to wake up one day and realize that you know, all we have is now uh, appreciating the process and cultivating a pure love for what you're doing. I really carved my own path and uh, kind of, you know, made um, made these life decisions that uh, really didn't beholden me to any uh, outer force. And so I'm just kind of doing my thing, trying to enjoy myself, get over myself, and then, you know, make that contribution by sharing the message and encouraging other people to say, you know, fuck it, just go for it, whatever it is. And, you know, in my case, it was like quitting this promising, lucrative career path in accounting uh, to try my hand at the professional racing circuit and kind of keeping those ideals in place even today when, you know, I've made um, decisions that are high risk and uh, low expectation of consistency or uh, predictability. So, so what I hear you saying to answer that question, and I want to get this for your listeners, is that it started out, your motivation started out really as a passion, just loving what you're doing, leaving accounting for passion, beating other racers for passion, not accolades. But then your career turned into accolades where you became knocked down at times. And of course, loss is always relative. Um, but I hear you maybe got knocked down in the sports arena age related, maybe not that you're old, but maybe for your for your competition, it was was humbling. And maybe there was some motivation related to I, I want adequacy back. I want relevance back. I want those um, accolades. And now you're at the point where you're you're cycling back up again to the love and passion. And I want to give my knowledge to my listeners because of passion no longer because of adequacy or relevancy is that is that how you put it that's really well said and i think um probably everybody can relate to this battle that goes on in our mind where we have these insecurities, the FOMO mindset, fear of missing out. And I, I'm not going to conclude that uh, Brad Kearns is highly evolved and completely free of any insecurities, uh, in, in, in inadequacies, things like that, because I think it's really important to acknowledge uh, your weaknesses and fight this battle every single day. So I want to make sure every single day that my motivation is pure, my heart is in the right place, because it's super easy to get lulled into uh, a money-making scheme opportunity. And yes, that uh, sounds compelling. I want to uh, double my money and uh, whatever. I'm making up that example. But yeah, the yeah. Thing is for like you know exercising to an extreme because you have an athletic goal and you you love it so much and you're passionate about it, and then you overdo it. You kind of uh, get into that you know the the dopamine addiction where you want those instant gratification highs every single day and you have to be, uh, you know, uh, rushing through life and going for, uh, you know, a, a new high every single day. Otherwise, you're not happy or not content. So yeah. um, it's, it's a battle every time. And I think one example that comes up is like, I love my athletic training goal so much, but I still have a tendency to overdo it despite me standing here as uh, a knowledge authority on how to balance stress and rest and training. 
and I even messed up my knee yesterday because I did too many high jumping practices, but I was having so much fun at the time. I forgot I was 55 years old and, uh, you know, have certain limitations with what I can do. So now I'm, my tail's between my legs once again, and uh, it's time to recalibrate, uh, reevaluate my priorities and uh, regulate my emotional uh, intensity and things like that. Well, I just think you gave some more advice out uh, when you said that you overdid it again. And, and before that answer, you said you're having to regulate and you're having to monitor and we all can't eradicate that. I mean, for me, the complete eradication of that intensity is the definition of enlightenment, which is, you know, a very, very difficult thing to reach. Lots and lots of practice, decades of practice for most, if not even achievable. But what I hear you saying is, hey, I'm, I'm fighting the good fight every day between overtraining and about intensity and what I need to do and love for my goal, but also tempering the love for my goal to not overtrain and go hurt my knee. I got to be realistic about how I train because the way I train, how I train is going to make me better than just going balls to the walls and, and, and not giving you know a nod to that mental, logical, reasonable choice-making process you get overwhelmed with the emotion. That's kind of what I heard in all that. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, you talk about uh, in the imperative habit, you're reading about these topics like enlightenment. And, you know, when I'm uh, driving to the uh, the track to do a workout that's going to be involving pain and suffering, but I know the payoff is wonderful afterward and I'm, I'm happy doing it. But sometimes you wonder like, um, what am I doing instead of uh, just sitting with my legs crossed and doing breathing and uh, just enjoying the the sun shining on my body without having to have an athletic goal or have to go beat myself up with another hard workout. And um, same with, you know, we've talked about this for hours. I I wish the listeners could get uh, some of that uh, uh, sound bites from the car ride, but you know, this pursuit of uh, economic uh, affluence, financial security. Uh, these things are of great importance in my life at this age. And I have a lot of uh, uh, concerns, uh, uh, worries, pressures, all these things that you tried to talk me out of. And it was a really uh, wonderful conversation because it causes you to second guess all these things that were programmed to believe that you got to build up your portfolio and your 401k and you better do this and you better do that and you better not fall behind and you better take advantage of every opportunity. And you know, this is a daily war with me because... Um, Sometimes I don't give a crap and I'd rather spend the whole day uh, hiking in the forest. And then you come back and the, the guy on your shoulder taps you gently and says, hey man, what the fuck did you do today? Did you, uh, how many pages of the book did you write? Oh yeah, I'm in a high pressure career with a lot of expectations and people counting on me. I got to re-immerse into the rat race and unwind all that airy fairy talk that I gave myself when I was sitting by the stream. And you know, a lot of people have those debates. Um, um, a lot of people and I'm sure a lot of your listeners, that maybe defines a type A personality. So let's talk about that a little bit. So where I'm coming from in, in that car ride was the decision-making process or the motivation-based process are spiritual rules, not monetary or success-driven rules. And what, I, what, what I'm getting from you is that you have an internal debate in your mind about, yeah, okay, cool, I want to believe Dave and maybe a lot of the other guests I've had on my show with these spiritual-related rules or spiritual-related goals, but motherfucker, I got a guy on my shoulder saying, you got to do this, what did you do today? You can't just sit in the sun all day. So how 
what percentage of your life, how is that war going with you? How much are you saying, okay, I'm going to follow the spiritual rule. And how much of you is like, I can't listen to that right now. I need to get back to the path. I need to get back to making butter, nut butter and getting my ancestral vitamins out, which I love those vitamins, by the way. I'm not a big vitamin person. And I do, I did actually feel a lot better with those vitamins. But anyway, the point is, where are you with that debate? How far are you down that path? Well, what was so great was I turned the um, I turned the weapon back on you, and I said, "Look, man, what about you? You're in this high high uh, stress uh, construction career. You got you know stuff thrown at you every single day. How can you uh, adhere to these principles when you're deeply immersed in a project that's gone wrong? Remember, you told me about the guy that didn't turn his cabinets in on time. Everyone was waiting. The cabinets had to come in, and this guy flaked. And you know, what about well, these real life things? The stage, it was a twenty five million dollar house." <laughs> Okay. So it was a big deal, people. It wasn't like, you know, the and guy at Home Depot. What was my answer? Um, you know, you, you explained a way that you could still proceed in competitive modern world uh, with that grace and with that uh, peaceful mindset. And so I try to remember, you know, these tenets. And I'm sure you'll be able to spout some quotes right off the top of your head, uh, unlike me. But I think the general takeaway for me was that it's okay to go in there and compete and have even a, a desire for material success as long as I think the, the big picture perspective is there. And, oh my well, gosh, I've answer, had, yeah. The answer was, and I want to turn it back on you again because this interview is about you. The answer was, it's not up to me what happens. And, and, and it's not up to you who wins the race. Yeah, you got to show up, I get it. And you got to train, I get it. But ultimately, when you show up that morning, the the script is already written on who slept the best. Maybe the number one guy was sick. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you overtrained. Everything that's about to happen has already happened. And that is not up to you. So it's okay to, like you said, this, this debate in your mind of how much of me can sit in the sun and relax on Lake Tahoe and how much of me has to, to answer the questions of my inner critic saying, um, saying, what did you do today? My answer always is, it's not up to me what actually happens. So I want to do things that matter to me without the emotion of the outcome. And that phrase, it's not up to me, helps me put that emotion in a box and then make the decisions based on what I want to do, what my goals are and what's important to me. So, but how much of you is, is emerging that way? Where are you in that path of of, of doing that. I, I know you want to, and I hear you want to, and I hear the debate you say you have. Where are you in that? How far along are you with that path? Hey, man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gainswave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. 
Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gaines Wave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainsway from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Oh, I'd say I'm doing really well. And it's one of the uh, great uh, attributes of getting older. There's a lot of crappy things about getting older. I, I can uh, get injured more easily during a high jump workout, but I feel like I'm gaining a healthy perspective to where I truly understand uh, what things aren't up to me and then what things I can control and give my best effort at and do it with a, uh, a, healthy, uh, a healthy mindset rather than a mindset of scarcity or, or, or nervousness or insecurity that's uh, putting out into the marketplace when I'm begging you to buy my product or whatever I'm doing. So um, I think one thing I referenced in recent times was uh, that helped me uh, gain a, a healthy perspective was uh, saying goodbye to my father in the most graceful and you know gifted way possible. He lived to 97 years old, which is a nice run, and he had extremely fantastic health for 95 of those years. And then he had a decline that was really quick, which is what we all want, right? We don't want 10 years of uh, dementia and people caring for you and you not knowing who you are or who I am. Uh, So he had a really quick drop off where he just started sleeping more, eating less, sleeping more, walking a shorter distance because we got him out and walked every day. And it used to be around the park a half mile and then it was around the parking lot and then it was around the backyard. And so, you know, to see the great life that this guy lived, he was a champion golfer his whole life and an accomplished surgeon and all these great things and raise five kids. Uh, But, you know, then it's time to go at the end. And to see that life cycle completed in front of my eyes, uh, I realized like, you know, I'm going to be there someday too. And if I want to stress my way there and, you know, be negative and bring, you know, bad energy to my day and to other people, I have that choice. I've done that on a certain day and a certain time to a certain person in this occasion and that occasion. And I'd rather be uh, you know, making the most of every single day because there's no guarantee of tomorrow anyway. And, you know, my dad stood for a lot of cool things. He wasn't, uh, you know, a, a world famous person that uh, wrote 17 books and was uh, in, the, in the movies and all that. But, you know, he cut people open and sewed them up and saved their lives. And people were so grateful they'd come over and, you know, give him a, a bag of a corn that they grew in their backyard and, and things like that, that I grew up with these, these uh, uh, you know, memories of uh, things like that. And that he was, affected you. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a quiet, understated guy. He never argued with me. He never criticized me. He was never uh, harshly, harsh. He, in his, he, what is, 
excuse me? You wish you would have? Uh, no. And I feel like, um, just like with coaches that were hands-off that allowed me to progress as an athlete by myself without that hard driving. And I know a lot of people and you're a football guy. So you probably referenced that coach that really brought out the best in you, but Mm -hmm. because of my personality style, I'm, you know, I take Gretchen Rubin's quiz and I'm a rebel tendency. So I like to do things my own way. I don't like anyone to tell me what to do. I like to figure it out for myself. And my dad probably saw that or is probably his personality too, that he never, you know, enforced his will upon me but he would, you know, lecture me about the importance of getting an education. And I remember when I was cruising through my crappy public high school in Los Angeles, getting, you know, a two eight is my final GPA. And I would have at the dinner table, him telling me what a great school Princeton was, which is where he attended. And that the Ivy League was a really great place to uh, pursue a higher education, because it opened up a lot of doors because it was very prestigious. And I'd sit there and listen, I'd be like, Dad, I'm pulling a two eight at the crappiest high school taking the easiest classes. I don't think I'm Princeton material, but you know, he did his best to deliver his message and however it was accepted, you know, that was out of his hands. And I realize that as a parent now, like I'll spout for a long time and and lecture my kids if they're uh, receptive and willing to listen. But I also know that it's up to them, man, way more so than I thought perhaps when my kids were younger. So a little tidbit for the parents out there, it's really up to you way less than you think. And your job just open doors, be supportive, give unconditional love. The world's a tough place anyway. You don't have to be that tough. And if they're going to be suited to, if their destiny is to be valedictorian or to be a division one scholarship athlete, they are going to find their way there no matter what you do and what you say. And if their destiny is not to be that way, and you're instead going to bribe a college admissions person to get them in, boy, that's going to be a much less pleasant road than just sitting sitting back and being that a supportive force and walking your talk, of course. So that's the other part is like, whatever I say to my kids, um, if I'm telling them, Hey, you know, don't do drugs and don't drink and drive, blah, blah, blah. Um, I want to stand as a person who let's say has never done that in my whole life. And they can absorb that message very powerfully when I'm looking them in the eye and saying, you know what, you don't need to learn the hard way with this stuff. You need to never fucking do it. Yeah. Well, I found that my best parenting has been, me being balanced and me being a great person inside and out it can, can allow me to then be my best parent, you know, or the best parent to my children. And I wrote this quote once and I want to see if it pertains to you is the view I have of myself as beautiful as the restraint, my inner voices attempt to sabotage it. It being yourself. So is your view of yourself as strong as your inner voice's ability to restrain itself from sabotaging you. Wow, that's pretty heavy, man. So are you there? Is your view of yourself high enough, powerful enough, aligned enough, or beautiful enough? Do you have a a beautiful view of yourself to the point that you can restrain your inner voice from sabotaging you? Are you there? Oh, yes, I am. I will uh, also report that I have a shit ton of other issues, a sorted laundry list, but uh, that's not my area of struggle and weakness. And I think I attribute that to having uh, an idyllic childhood where I didn't have these 
uh, traumatic uh, emotional disturbances and you know struggles that so many people report. Uh, you know, everything was cool. I had good friends, and my parents were awesome, and my brothers and sisters were still very close today. So I don't have a lot to unwind and unprogram. I have a wonderful partner, Mia Moore. She's the greatest partner in the world. So I really have nothing to complain about, and I've always been that glass half full kind of guy about everything. And yeah. then when it comes to like developing that self image and, and uh, escaping the you know the forces of the ego that can control your life, uh, I reference my athletic experience so strongly that it helped me escape from that uh, forever. You know, I, I got over myself when I was a really young guy because I rose to the highest height that I could ever dream of, and then I fell, and then I rose again, and you realize like, all right, you know, um, the the rest of the world will will go on no matter what I do, and no matter who wins this race. And, you know, uh, it was, it was great because I can carry these forward today. And even as a parent, I remember, you know, in the early years, you get really far into it. You have your peer group that's really deep into it. And you go to a a gathering of adults and all they're doing is talking about their kids and their sporting exploits and which teacher they have for fifth grade, who's stronger in the, uh, the, the, the liberal arts, but the other teacher's stronger in math. And you're not sure if your kid's in the right class and your, your head starts spinning that you get all consumed in this role as a parent. And then at some point you get spit out of that (laughs) when your kid kind of grows up and learns how to use their middle finger or whatever it is, that turning point. Yeah. I can reference uh, a few of them with my son where um, I trickily uh, caught him uh, in a, uh, a misstatement of where he was uh, late in the hours of the evening because I conspired with another parent and you know they did the cross-referencing that I used to do when I was a kid, like, hey, I'm going over to Steve's house. And Steve said, hey, I'm right. going over to Brad's house. And so you know, I challenged him the next day and I said, dude, uh, so you know, where were you last night? Because I happened to know that um, you, know, you didn't tell me the truth. And, you know, I got all tough guy and puffed my chest out. And I said, why'd you do that? And he goes, oh, I did it because you wouldn't have let me do it. And because you don't trust me enough, but you should be able to trust me and I should be able to stay out longer than you think. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, uh, you know, this was a kid who was never any trouble, uh, a straight A student, a champion athlete, self-driven, self-motivated. I didn't have to worry about him. And I was doing it just because of cultural programming or something. So from that point forward, I said, okay, here's a deal. You can tell me where you're going so we can know for safety reasons. And I'll give you way more rope and leeway. And the same thing came when uh, we would go in there and uh, check in with him, whether he did his homework or not. And his pat answer to his mom and I was, I'm getting straight A's, leave me the F alone. Right now I'm playing video games. I get to do this because I get to unwind sometime. Let's talk later when I'm not getting straight A's anymore. And it's like, what can you say about that to a kid except for hands off, have fun, uh, dinner will be served later, please do the dishes afterward. Oh, it's great, great stuff to learn from your kids. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good answer. And I think it kind of leads me into maybe one or two of our last questions. One of the things you said earlier was that your show is different in the sense that you're different than mainstream media uh, in that you don't know who these people are and you're really exposing yourself to who you are, what you enjoy, what, what your experiences are, what your drives are, what your loves are. What have you not shared for us to know who you are? Oh, Dave Rossi. Listen to this guy, people. And I asked you before we went on the air, like, hey, Dave, uh, are you going to do a podcast someday? You're, you're such a natural at it. And he's like, I don't know. I'm too busy. But man, I think you're, I think you're killing it. I'm, I'm extremely uh, captivated by your interviewing skills and putting me on the spot. And, well, all I did to prepare was think, what, what would I want to know? 
what do I think others want to know? I've listened to your show and obviously I know you. And I think there's many, many facets of things that intrigue me and probably many of your listeners about you, including your drive, including your passion for so many different things like high jumping and speed golfing and chocolate and cold plunging and all this stuff. I mean, the list goes, goes on. And I really respect that passion because I think that's a real um, zest to the physical world. And you know, I think this, that athletics is the penultimate in spiritual lessons. And so I, I have a lot of admiration for you, but I still think there's some pieces you're holding back. And I'd like to know what you think one of those are you can share with us. Dang. Uh, I, I, I agree well, I with you. Involves fear too. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm trying to, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a good answer, which would uh, first indicate that I was holding something back, right? If I'm trying to craft an answer to this question, I already, I already flunked the question. Or it's uh, too vulnerable to even share because you're not there yet because it might be pretty tough. I mean, there might be some real deep vulnerabilities that are tough to get out. And I, I get that. Well, uh, I, I certainly don't have any uh, deep, dark secrets or have uh, some you know, image that I've crafted to uh, uh, you know, hide uh, the truth from the, from the world. Uh, but I, I will reference that uh, a lot of times when I hear people uh, open their, uh, th- their diary all the way, it doesn't really play well with me. Like, you know, the sob stories or the uh, eliciting of sympathy when someone gets on the airwaves and says, yeah, you know, I'm really having a rough time. Uh, I lost my father last month. This is my first show back in the studio. And it's like, yeah, you know what? There was that first show back in the studio after I lost my father. And a lot of people said, hey, I'm sorry about uh, you losing your father. And I'm like, what for? He was 97 freaking years old and he lived 95 awesome years where he was knocking... uh, and hitting his ball right at the flag stick until he was 95 and everyone has to go at some point. Yeah. I thought he was going to live to be 107, but, um, he didn't. And, and, you know, 97 was pretty darn good. So I'm kind of averse to, uh, pouring my heart out with every little thing, uh, in, in a manner of connecting with the audience. I'm not saying it has to be negative. I want, I want a piece of you that you haven't shared yet. It doesn't have to, it could be, I like to wear, um, you know, Women's like clothing in a robe. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking for something that, that is kind of exclusively yours. I think we want to know you. We want to know behind the scenes. And it doesn't have to be anything morose or sad. It has to be something distinctively you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one part of my answer was that I, I try not to, I try to be positive and not, you know, burden people with my problems on the air. And I know a lot of people do that and it doesn't play too well with me, even though it, it is really vulnerable and authentic and you're getting the real person every time. So, um, I guess that's, that's one answer. And then, um, you know, sharing something else. Well, uh, Mia Moore has been brought into the public eye now. We've done a few shows <laughs> together. And I kind of kept that low key because, uh, you know, I went through a life transition of getting divorced after a, a, long, uh, a long marriage. And then, um, you know, I, uh, I got in with uh, this wonderful uh, recent partner. We've been together for several years now and, and married for uh, a year and a half and such. And um, I thought it was uh, fun to uh, 
you know, turn the microphone on one day when we were in the bedroom and introduce her to uh, my world. So I hope to bring her on for uh, many more shows because I, I love talking with her about relationship dynamics and we feel really open and honest uh, with each other. We have no problem talking about any topic, even uh, difficult ones. And we'll have some difficult conversations about whatever it is because we have a lot thrown at us in life uh, these days with a lot of life changes and things that are potentially stressful. But it usually goes so well that I really want to share more of that with the audience. I haven't, I haven't shared much about uh, you know, my own personal love relationship dynamics. I'm more uh, interviewing John Gray than talking to my own wife on the air. So I look forward to doing more of that and giving people uh, a greater insight to, to that. Uh, well, I think on, on, and the reason why I asked that question, and I have one more question to ask you before we have to go. The reason why I asked that question is because a lot of people that listen to you, I believe, listen to you for you. And I think secondarily, they listen to you for what content that you're going to give. And I think the content is interesting and there's, there's a piece of that. But I think it's also Brad Kearns. I think, I think a lot of people trust that advice and they want to get to know you. And I think those real vulnerable behind the curtain kind of conversations about relationships or loves or fears. Hey, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this anymore, or I don't know if this floats my boat anymore, or I'm, I, I'm having too much success in something that I don't really care much about. And I want more success in this thing I do care about. I think those are actually really great things to talk about because people trust you. I, I mean, I do. I mean, I, I, I think it's, I'm sharing my, my desires, I guess, for this interview too. So. Oh yeah, the connection uh, got a little jumpy there, and I thought you said too much sex rather than no, too success. much sex. No, your mind was there. My mind was on success. <laughs> um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, that would be a different show. Yeah, I like six that. Six tips by Brad Kearns. What, how professional athletes have sex <laughs> at age fifty-five, <laughs> hanging in there, taking their mofo pills and sleeping enough and doing the right oh, workouts. Yeah, yeah. That's baby. why you made the mofo pills. I see. Okay, exactly. Yeah, living. All right, living so here's my last question life. for you. Yeah. Last question. You have one bit of advice, and we have maybe a minute left. One bit of advice to give an 18 year old Brad Brad Kearns. What would that advice be? Huh. Get over yourself first and foremost. And uh, what else can you say? I mean, I mean, nothing about food. Nothing about overtraining. Nothing about love. Nothing about what's you. you you've had so many great guests on. You, you, you're going to go back in time and you can't give any stock tips because that'd be inside trader, but you're going to go <laughs> back in time and you're going to give young Brad Kearns a tip and you're going to say, little dude, do this. What's that going to be? Well, uh, I think I was uh, destined to follow my own path, no matter what, no matter what advice I received. And so I would kind of reinforce the uh, importance of doing so and, you know, encourage my young, uh, my younger uh, self to, to trust myself completely and be bold and daring and never look back uh, and never succumb to these huge cultural pressures and forces that uh, led me to uh, try to conform. For example, I uh, spent my college years uh, studying 
uh, economics with accounting emphasis because I was told uh, by my peers and, and experts that if you get a, a, a degree in uh, accounting, you can pass the CPA test and then you go to law school and then you become a tax attorney, which has the highest income category of any attorney. So I was like, oh, okay. So I take these classes and I do this. And my accounting career lasted 11 and a half weeks. And I got a law school application on my desk and I completed half of it. And then I had to uh, get a teacher recommendation. And I didn't meet or know any professor at all. My entire duration at UC Santa Barbara, I sat in the back. I escaped early if the waves were up. And you know, I didn't form any relationships. So I got the, the courage to go ask Professor Morgan for a letter of recommendation. I literally knocked on his professor door and I had my transcript in hand because I knew he wouldn't recognize me. And I said, sir, uh, I got an A plus in your business law class and an A plus in your econ two class. And I need this letter of recommendation for UCLA Law School. Would you mind doing it for me? I know you don't know me. And he said, oh, that's my alma mater. I have a lot of influence there with the admissions office. I would love to write you a letter of recommendation. But before I do, I want to ask you one question and I don't want you to answer right away. I want you to think about it and come back tomorrow. And the question is, are you passionate about the law? And I said, oh, well, I, I don't really know. Oh, uh, and he goes, don't answer right now. He goes, come back tomorrow. He goes, if you're passionate about the law, I will write you the most glowing recommendation you can see from your GPA. You're going to get in there. And uh, if you're not passionate about the law, you will get your ass kicked so hard. I don't care what your grades are. It's not going to work for you. And I went home. And I thought about it for a little and I dumped the application in the garbage can and I thanked that guy for you know, having a, a turning point in my life. And it's kind of answering your question because there was a guy giving advice to an 18-year-old yeah. that was profound, but it, it, was, it was received in a way that you know, I could really embrace it. It wasn't someone pounding it down on my head. So I'd talk to well, that young guy and say, you know, just follow your whims and uh, you know, be, uh, throw caution to the wind, really. What a great story and what a great word that teacher used, which is passion. I think that's such a great uh, use of that story. I, I'm, I think that was a great, great answer and a great story. Thank you for that. Thank well, you. Well, I, I have, yeah. I could talk to you all day. I don't know how long you want your show to go with, with me interviewing you, which I'm happy to do endlessly, but maybe you want to um, keep it under an hour. I think you did a great job and it was so fun to be on the other side, especially to get those, uh, you know, perceptive and probing questions. And that's one thing that I love about podcasting is you have an opportunity to go deep uh, in a different way than you can uh, if it's a, a written article uh, or things like that, or, you know, conveying your message in a book and it kind of gets into that free flowing a place where we didn't know where this show was going and it was kind of fun to just uh, take it along the way and yeah. uh, you know both of us kind of um, uh, having a good time here and engaged like we are in person and hopefully the listener uh, you know got something out of it and had some entertainment value at least. Well let's hope so. Um, it, it's always hard for me not to interject the things that I know um, and it was very hard for me not to uh, not to to show that side of me. So it was a lot of restraint on my behalf to really continue to make it about you. And I really enjoyed that. <laughs> a great exercise for Dave Rossi. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you, um, you frame the conversation well when you, you, um, you know, extracted uh, my mindset and that battle that I, that I fight every day with, you know, trying to be a peak performer and, you know, mark down the great achievements in my life versus trying to, you know, go with the flow and live in acceptance and, and uh, live in peace and, and gratitude and not be attached to every single outcome. So, 
that's what I like about your work and your book. And um, it's keeping these things fresh and keeping continuing to talk about them and put them as part of your your daily life rather than just kind of working hard and then unplugging with digital entertainment. I prefer doing stuff like this to uh, vegging out in front of the TV. So yeah. thanks for the well, opportunity. I'll plug in because you said it. Those words you used, like gratitude and awareness, and, and you also said keeping things fresh and keeping things going, those same words can continue to be fresh and new as you learn and develop a new definition of them, as you learn and develop new contexts and new understanding and new comprehension of your own psyche and continue to reprogram your brain in different ways. Maybe it's the battle of athletics or it's the battle of money or it's the battle of of relationships, those same words will change definition over time and they themselves can be fresh. You don't have to go create a new, new thing beyond creating a new way to perceive the same thing. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, Brad, thank you for allowing me to do this with you. I love my time with you. Thank you so much. And I thank your listeners for letting me do this. Dave Rossi, people. And the next time you hear from him on this show, he's going to be in the interview hot seat. I can't wait to uh, go, go deeper and pick up where we left off last time. And uh, just to tease the, uh, the listener on that, uh, we talked about off the air, uh, this little side comment you made to me, kind of an offhanded comment. And I've been thinking about it nonstop for several weeks. So um, I, I want to end with that uh, tantalizing a uh, thought of where we could take this on the next interview with you. And that is, uh, you said, I, I might be butchering it, and you can correct me, but it was something that everything we do is simply a pursuit of a hormonal experience. Like yeah. a dopamine hit is the most obvious one, but there's so many other ones behind that statement. It's all about uh, answering to our biology or something like that, you said. Yeah, we can, we can spend, I guess spend, again, I would love that topic. I, I think it's a wonderful topic. And when I finally realized what that meant and I finally realized how my body is affected by stimulus and how that stimulus is interpreted by my brain and how my brain processes that, uh, it changed my life and it changes my choices and it changes everything about me. Um, and I'd love, love to explore that topic some more. Okay, people, get ready for the next one. Thank you for listening. Da, da, right. da, 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 da. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Hey, this is going to be one of my favorite commercials because I get to introduce you to the delicious, nutritious, life-changing Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. This is a mind-blowing nut butter blend that will soon ascend to your number one go-to snack, treat, or accoutrement for anything from dark chocolate, a cucumber celery smear, or mixed in with yogurt, oatmeal, cheesecake, or with a spoon right into your mouth, heading south. Let me, let me, let me tell you what I created in my kitchen through whirlwind experimentation and extreme sampling to my VIP product testing crew across the nation so far with 100% approval. In this beautiful jar, we have macadamia nuts, walnuts, cashews, the rare and precious coconut butter, coconut flakes, cacao nibs, real ancient sea salt, and organic MCT oil. Every single ingredient has been sourced to origin to be the very best we could find from around the world for the absolute highest purity.
security and nutritional value. We run this product in small batches with a boutique family business in the Pacific Northwest, and everything is cold-pressed to preserve nutritional value. So if you like eating healthy, it's a dream come true for all those who are keto, primal, paleo, and vegan, vegetarian, too. I come in peace, my global, healthy, living friends. Masterpiece, that is. Try some now, and it will change your life. I promise. If you don't like it, send it back to me. I'll eat it. You can order Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece on Amazon. Simple, simple. Or if you're bold, daring, and adventurous, buy three and get a bottle free at bradventures.com. Buy six and we'll send you eight. Christmas shopping early instead of late at bradventures.com. Check it out. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. Uh. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it.